0: The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yo! How's it going? Good. Good. Good morning. Super Bowl Sunday. Jesus is a Seahawks fan. I know the Broncos kind of apparently overpowered this service, but I just wanted to give you a little FYI. So, um how many of you recognize that song all right who sang that song boston that's right more than a feeling by boston released september 1976 i was a distant memory um not even a thought i believe at that point um but uh shame on you for knowing that all right because that's not a christian song all right and um we, it's a little-known fact, but, but I did a little bit of research, and I found out Jesus only listened to gospel music, okay? So um, not even contemporary Christian, all right? K-Love is out, okay? But non-Christian for sure, like Jesus only listened to gospel music. So um, I'll just take a minute. Y'all repent. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the subject matter over these next couple weeks, love, L-O-V-E, four-letter word, not a curse word, um, but one of those words that gets thrown around quite a bit. It is more than a feeling, love is. Now, every single one of us, we're, um, we're on this journey of life. Right and, and, and we have these experiences as we walk through life, and, and as we have these experiences, those experiences kind of frame our definitions of things. Like, like, for instance, people can tell you about love, but you really don't begin to understand and grasp the concept of love until you experience it for yourself. Like, like I remember my parents telling me that, um, that you, you just don't understand what it means to, to love like the way a parent loves a child. Like you, you just don't understand that until you have kids. And I heard that a bunch. You know, when you have kids, you'll understand this hurts you, hurts me more than it hurts you, like all that kind of stuff, you know. And, and, and truly, I didn't understand that until I had kids, <laughs> Right, and and then when I had children, I began to understand that that life experience kind of helped dictate and help help me understand and wrap my mind around what parental love looks like. Now, maybe you can identify uh, with this: the first time that my wife came to me and said she was pregnant. Dad's in the room. All right. That intense, ridiculous, crazy feeling when your wife comes and tells you that uh, we're going to have a baby. I remember that. It was, it was intense, all right? We were, um, we were living in Florida at the time, and we were up here in North Carolina visiting some family. And I remember I was getting ready to go get in the shower, and she comes up to me, and she says, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant. And I'm like... How did this happen? I mean, like, like for real? Like, we, I'm gonna have a a kid. Like, I'm gonna be a dad. That's this is really gonna happen. And 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 I, I just remember like freaking out. I remember losing my mind because I, I started thinking about what kind of a dad did I want to be. And then I, I started thinking about the kind of dad that I wanted to be, and who I currently was. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I got a lot to change like if i want if I want to be this kind of dad, I can't continue to live like this like i'm selfish i mean i don't I just care about myself and and, and man, I don't want my kids to be that way I don't want my kids to to learn to love Jesus, and like all these kind of things started flooding through my head and i I remember like feeling like I was going to have a mental breakdown, all right, just thinking about having a kid because my life was getting ready to change and, and I needed to change if I wanted to be the kind of dad that that I wanted to be, I, I just, I remember feeling completely overwhelmed. I mean, just com- absolutely, like, completely overwhelmed. Like, I'm going to be the world's worst dad, all right? If I don't get this figured out in, like, nine months or less, all right? That's my time period. I got nine months. I got to figure this thing out, or, man, I'm going to be terrible. I'm going to be like an awful dad. My kids are going to hate me. Interestingly enough, this isn't, too far from what many of us experience when we're confronted with this idea about being a follower of Jesus and engaging in his church. When we come across this idea of being a follower of Christ and getting engaged in his church, you see, when we think about God and when we think about church and and our definition of church, because our definitions are framed by our life experiences, right? And I don't know what kind of church you've grown up in, but that has helped you understand what you think church is, and, and, and so when we think about God and we think about church, I don't know why you're here this morning. Maybe you're trying to fix something. Maybe something crazy has happened in your life, and you're just trying to make sense of it all. Maybe because it's the new year, you're trying to like start the new years off with a, on a good foot. I'm going to go to church, and I'm, I'm going to learn more about God. Or, or maybe you're looking for answers. I don't know. But when we come and we visit church, and we see people in here raising their hands in in worship, and we see the guys and the girls up here on the stage, and the dude shredding on the guitar, and he's super good looking, and Andy's really tall, and, and looks like he should be a male model, right? I mean, he's gorgeous. Did I just say that out loud? I'm just kidding. But, but like when, when you see these guys standing up here and they're giving their gifts and they're doing everything and, and then this guy gets up and he talks on the stage and he preaches and, and then you go and you see like over in the children's ministry and you got people teaching children or maybe you've even been to a small group and, and there's a small group leader and that leader's teaching and you're looking at all them and you're like, dang, what do they have? They've got something and, and I don't know what it is. But I don't know if I'm ever going to be that. If I'm going to be do this church thing, and I'm going to be a part of this thing, I got a lot to change. If I'm going to stand up on the stage, or I'm going to play music or I'm going to teach or whatever, if that's what being church is about, I got a lot of changing to do. And it can feel overwhelming. What do I have to offer? What do I bring to the table? I'm never going to be like that. Or worse yet, get this. Sometimes the longer you hang around a place like church, and you look around and you see this production, and you see the stuff, and you see all the things that are going on, you start to think, man, if I'm not playing on the stage, if I'm not standing up there preaching, or if I'm not teaching, or if I'm not leading a small group, or if I'm not doing something like that, like what, whatever church is, whatever we think church is, if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not a part of the super spiritual in crowd. What do I have to offer? That's how you define church, right? The guys that have something that you don't have, like I can stand up here and preach, and because I can do that, you're going to come hear me? That's what church is about? I don't think so. You see... The Apostle Paul addressed a very similar issue in his letter to the church in Corinth. We're going to be in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, crack those things open, pull out your phone, you version, your Bible app, whatever it is you, you take notes on, that kind of thing. Um, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians, and the Apostle Paul was addressing this type of issue, okay? So apparently, there were some people in the church in Corinth. And they thought that, that you needed to be a part of the super spiritual in crowd. All right? And the way that you get in the in crowd is by doing big ministry stuff. Okay, like all these things that you see, that's what it means to be a Christian. Like like if you're a greeter at the door, like when people walk in and you see people greeting and shaking hands, that's B team, all right? That's lower level. That's like second string. Those guys, they're not that big of a deal. But if you're a pastor, all right, or man, you play drums like Chris Vi, who's sick, nasty animal back there, or, or, or like you do something, right, like a visible thing that people see, That's where Christianity really happens. That's where big ministry, that's where Jesus likes to roll. You don't want to be just a helper. Jesus must love you more, right? If you're doing big things, because you're doing bigger stuff. I love what Paul says here. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 It says this, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now at first read, you go, see, the Bible says it right there. As a follower of Jesus, you got to want the greater gifts. You got to do the the big things. You you got to kind of do those things. If you want to be a real follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be doing big ministry stuff. If that's what sh- how you're going to get in the in crowd. Jesus loves pastors more than he loves greeters. Don't tweet that. All right? Jesus loves small group leaders more than he loves the people in the small group. He loves the guys up here on the band more than he loves everybody else. Is that what this thing is about? So that we all get a turn up here? (laughs) Standing? Doing our thing? See, I don't think that's right. And if we dig a little bit deeper, we'll see something very different. Because you see, that phrase, greater gifts, earnestly desire the greater gifts, it's an interesting phrase because that statement doesn't mean greater by rank. Like, like there's, there's these gifts up here and then there's these gifts down here and, 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 and this is better and Jesus is like super loves this guy and, and doesn't really love that guy that much. He's just kind of a part of the crowd, No. Greater gifts means literally to strengthen or to make firm. The picture is like if you take a string, a single string, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to break that string, right? But what happens when you take one string and another string and another string and another string and and you twist them together? Scripture tells us a cord of three is not easily broken. See, that's what this whole thing is about. Paul's not saying you got to be a part of the super spiritual in crowd, that if you, if you preach, then you got it, but if you're just a, a greeter, then that's nothing. No, he's saying that your heart's desire should be to strengthen the body of Christ. We are all in this together. If we want to see the community of Wahlberg and Thomasville and High Point and Greensboro and Winston-Salem and to the ends of the earth impacted with the name of Jesus, it's going to take thousands of little strings twisting together to become unbreakable you want to make a difference in this community be a part of something greater than yourself that's what paul is saying we can literally change this world because we're created to do this thing together in community it has nothing to do with talent or ability your desire should be to strengthen the body of Jesus Christ because we are his messengers now we are the very presence of God on this earth Jesus died and ascended and rose again and we're here there is no plan B we are God's messengers And so our goal should be to want to strengthen each other and build each other and celebrate the gifts that we have and say, Andy, you're stinking good. Keep doing that, right? Man, you're the best greeter I have ever seen. You have the the ability to make people feel welcome. And I can't do that. Let's encourage the church to be the church Ask God today to give you the things that will enable you to be a strengthening agent of his church. That's what we're called to be. That which binds us closely together. It doesn't take you standing here on a stage or playing in the band to be a vital part of the family of Jesus. It just takes a desire to want to make this place better because God has gifted you to do something. I love what Pastor Scott said this morning. God's birthed something in your heart. And I don't know what that is, but I want to encourage you that as he defines that and clarifies that and encourages that, go do that. Ducks make great ducks. They don't make good lions. Right? Right? So ducks don't need to be lions, and lions don't need to be ducks. Ducks need to be ducks, and lions need to be lions. Be what God is birthing and gifted you to do. Paul goes on. I love this part. He says, once you get that, like if that's your desire, to be the strengthening agent of the church, to to literally take this world by storm, because we are, we're going to be a stinking army of people that that blankets this community. He says, let me show you how to get that done. I'm going to show you a still more excellent way. It's not just about the gift. It's about a more excellent way, something that's even greater than the gift that God has given you. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is, This is the most excellent way. It's one of the most famous chapters in all of Scripture. It's read at, like, every single wedding in the history of of wedding history, right? Every wedding has 1 Corinthians 13. I mean, mine did. um, It's just one of those things. 1 Corinthians 13 is read at every wedding. Um, But yet, it's not about a wedding at all. It's about a way of life. So watch this. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of of men or of angels, but I don't have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He's saying that the ability to speak, all right, eloquence, the ability to speak without love is actually just adding to the noise of life. If you desire to stand on this stage and share something, Solely because you just want to do that. And it's not motivated by the love of Christ that's just overflowing in you. You're adding to the noise of life. And guess what? Life is already noisy. He goes on and says, If I have the gift of prophecy... If I can fathom all mysteries, if I have all knowledge, if my brain is so full to bursting because I'm so stinking smart, and if I have all faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship, then I might boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. If I sing with the angel's voice of Andy Peel, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. I just made that last part up. That's not definitely in the Bible. That's Brent International Version. But literally what Paul is doing is he's taking these big ministry ideas that the church in Corinth was looking to as the gold standard. Like if you're doing these things, if you, if you speak or you teach or you, you are a prophet or you have knowledge or faith or you're very generous or you're even a martyr, you're willing to die for your faith, he takes those things and he breaks them down. He's not saying they're wrong. He's not saying it's not godly. You should want to be generous and you should desire to have more faith and you should want to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. It's not that they're not godly, but if they're done for the wrong reasons, then, as Paul says, it's as valuable as nothing. It's worthless. If you're trying to get on this Whatever perceived spiritual A-team, then it's worthless. Now, if you're a follower of Christ in here today, I want to encourage you to check your motivation. Why do we serve? Why do we engage? Why do we teach? Why do we play on this stage? If you are a volunteer of Connection Church, I want to ask you to check why you do what you do. Is it to get a name for yourself? Or is it because God has given you something and you want him legitimately to be glorified in what he has given you? Every single time I stand on this stage and every single time I teach, I have to check my motives. God, why am I up here? Why am I the guy that stands up here I am not worthy, trust me, of being heard. So God, check my motives. Because if Brent Bennett stands on this stage and tells you what he knows, then you're going to walk away and the value is going to be nothing. But if Jesus Christ in me stands on this stage, your lives could be changed forever. And so the reason I'm here is because I simply want to be a vessel. And That's what I want to encourage you in this morning. I love this next part because this is where it gets crazy. All right? Paul, like, broke it all down, said all these gifts, all this thing. This isn't big ministry stuff. It's not a big deal. But watch this. All right? This is where it's nuts. I love this next part. Because what Paul does is he levels the playing field. Like the whole thing, all, the whole playing field just completely levels everything out. He's like, you guys think you have talents, you have abilities, you have all these gifts, all this kind of stuff. Watch this. Let me show you the more excellent way. I'm going to show you what real love is. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Friends, love never fails. You see, people always use this section of Scripture in connection to marriage. Two mutual partners that that are agreeing to try this love thing together. Let let, Let me ask you this. What if we applied this concept of love to life as a whole? Every relationship and every interaction, not just the ones with people that mutually agree to love us back, what would this church look like? What would your life look like if it was dominated by love as defined by that scripture? See, that's where it gets real. That's where the church becomes the organism that God designed it to be. A place that has no expectations. Where the least, the last and the lost and the broken and the dying can come and forgive me for saying this but they can screw us over and you're going to be met with love every single time because it's patient and it's kind and it keeps no record of wrong. Paul's saying it's not about gifts, it's not about talent it's not about ability it's about love as defined by the sacrifice of Jesus losing this very place with God and coming down and becoming human and becoming obedient to death on a cross That's what love is. Let me tell you what I find so amazing about these verses. Not one single part of that verse has anything to do with talent. There is no training or no special ability or special training that goes into love. In fact, every single human being on the face of planet earth that is living and breathing right now is capable of loving the way Jesus defines love. The way Paul defined love defines love right here. But it can't be done on our own. See, 1 John 4 tells us that God is love and that we love because He first loved us. The only way that we're even aware that there is love is because God has drawn us to understand it. And better yet, true, complete, passionate, unadulterated, pure love is found in the person and life of Jesus Christ. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a person. Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were still far off and incapable of even grasping or understanding God and His love for us, Christ died for us that is what true love is about and that's what this church is about so watch this Paul says that being a follower of Jesus to get on the spiritual A team To do big ministry things has nothing to do with talent or ability. It has nothing to do with material possession. It has nothing to do with any of those things. Because God isn't interested in what you bring to the table. He's just interested in you coming to His table. And when we get that, we realize that love is not even about being able to keep that list. Put verse four through seven or eight, whatever it is, back up there again. Love is not about being able to keep the list. Love's patient, love's kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, all of those kind of things. Look at that, all right? That's a checklist for love. And when we truly begin to grasp this idea, guess what? What? It's not about keeping the list. Because watch this. What Paul was trying to say and what I'm trying to pose this morning is church. If we will just relinquish our our rights, the throne of our heart, the seat of our emotions, The thing that very drives our being and motivates why we do what we'll do if we just get off of the throne and we say I'm incapable of doing any of this on my own I can't even be a good husband to my wife who mutually agrees to love me why would I think that I would love people that hate me but if I get off the throne And I say, Jesus, I need you to do those things. Watch this, Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy, Jesus doesn't boast. Jesus isn't proud, he doesn't dishonor others, he's not self-seeking. He isn't easily angered, and Jesus definitely keeps no record of our wrongs. Jesus never delights in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. He always protects us. He always trusts us. He always hopes us. And he always perseveres. Jesus never fails. Praise God that being the church of Christ has nothing to do with what we bring to the table. It has everything to do with us getting off the throne and saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. Jesus, you do it because I can't. man, when we get that concept... That's where the church becomes the church. That's where life begins to change. That's where we find fulfillment like we've never found fulfillment before. Because we're free to do the things that God is empowering us to do. When we let Him live His perfect life of love out in us. What a beautiful and glorious thought. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to kind of just leave you with a, a three thoughts, okay? There's three camps that we find ourselves in this morning. You might be like me when I found out that I was going to be a dad. And you might have come in here overwhelmed this morning. And I don't know why you came to church but you might be overwhelmed at all of the things that you've got to change and you don't feel like you have a whole lot to give because you're not worth a whole lot. And I want to tell you something. Church, do not listen to the lie that Satan wants you to think. He wants you to think that you are worthless. He wants to cripple you from receiving the love that Jesus has. And letting Jesus become all that He wants to be in you. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're, you're in the second camp, you're in a boat where you're, you're ready to give and you want to serve and you're excited about doing that. Well, I want to encourage you, check your motivation. Is it because you're in your definition of what church looks like, it means to stand on this stage? We need to be motivated by the love that is unconditional in Jesus Christ so that He can live out in us. And lastly, maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you strolled into Connection Church just like my friend who rolled in first service, came in off an invitation, never been here before, still checking this Jesus thing out not even really sure what it's all about. I don't know what you've got going on in your life, and I don't know how many things you're trying to juggle and what kind of strongholds and struggles that you have, but I'm here to tell you that if you give it to Jesus, you can find freedom at his cross. It will not be easy. It will not be a cakewalk. But there's Freedom. And there is an unconditional love that can only be experienced when we say yes to Jesus Christ. And if you're still trying to figure this Jesus thing out, I want to tell you today is your day. What better time than to say, Jesus, I want to give you my all because I can't do it on my own I've tried and it's not fun and so if that's you this morning and you want to step off the throne of your life and you want Jesus to take over I would encourage you to stand right now every head bowed and eyes closed this is your moment Give Jesus an opportunity to let him live his life out in you today. There is no shame. And there is no condemnation at the cross. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that you have given us to be embraced by your love. And Father, I ask that in this moment that you would just wrap your strong arms around us and that wherever we are at, God, whether we're in celebration or whether we are in mourning, God, I pray that we would just become a little bit more aware of your presence because it is all about your Son and what He has done for us. I love you, Lord. Lord. I ask that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. If you would, please stand at your feet. We're going to sing about Jesus being our cornerstone. And so as we sing in celebration this morning, I want to encourage you. If Jesus is not the cornerstone with which you build your life, begin to ask yourself, what are those things that I need to get rid of? And sing this song as a dedication of your life to the cornerstone, Jesus.